right now, Christians, conservatives, and freedom-loving Americans are being censored and abused by cultural gatekeepers. Why? Because we don't fight back. Not anymore. Freedom of Creativity is a directory for creatives and businesses who value the American principle of freedom. If you're a fan of culture, you'll discover new artists of all kinds. And if you're a business owner, list your company on Freedom of Creativity so we can build a directory of businesses that share our values. It is vital to speak with our wallets and sow into businesses that support freedom over censorship and cancel culture. It's free to join and free to use. But if you upgrade and support Tim's Fight for Our Culture, as a fan of my show, Tim is giving listeners 50% off for life when you use the code L-I-S-S-E-T-P-E. Join today at freedomofcreativity.com. Spread the word. Reach out to Tim Columba on social media at Freedom of Creativity US, where you can also watch his videos that are pretty good. They're awesome, actually. Learn by listening to my podcast episode where I speak with Tim Columba about his mission and why it's so important on season two. If you don't start influencing our culture, who will? The culture is in your hands. Here we go. Welcome to the Rookie Marican Podcast. I'm your girl, Lisette Carter, and today we have none other than Harold Shirtliff. Now, uh, this is a real treat for me. I met Harold probably in the beginning of the summer at my first uh, 2A event. I had no idea anything like this, that he's a co-founder um, of Constitution Camp in New Hampshire. I had no idea something like this existed, um, let alone in New England. I'm very happy that it does, um, but he's also has an amazing uh, testimony that you guys have got to hear. So welcome, Hal. Well, thanks for having me. Actually, it's Camp Constitution, not oh. Constitution Camp. Oh, sorry. So, so we are a New Hampshire-based charitable trust, and I'm a, a longtime Boston resident, born, raised, and raised my family, my wife and I, and we moved to uh, New Hampshire back in December of last year, and we're very happy to be here. Good. Well, I'm happy that you're on. I, I really do believe in my heart that a lot of um, parents right now are hurting with what's going on in school or they're realizing a lot of the things that are their children are learning that maybe they had no idea, you know, that they were learning anti-American um, ideologies. And so a lot of I've had a lot of parents come to me and say, hey, we're just realizing this. We've seen it ourselves in our own family. Um, and they're saying, you know, we're saying, how can we change this? And this is such um, a, a pivotal thing for us to include our families and in, especially when the school has taken a different direction. And, and they've been doing this for years. It's just manifesting now. That's, that's correct. Well, um, my wife and I homeschooled all of our children from the very beginning. And what led me to that is because I had a really good understanding of what was happening in the government schools. And that was mainly thanks to my late friend, Dr. Sam Blumenfeld. And I want to show this little flyer here. Sam Blumenfeld was a pioneer in the homeschool movement. Mm -hmm. And as early as the 19, early 1960s, he was aware that the uh, reading methods in the public schools were designed to dump children down. He didn't come to this conclusion hastily. He did a lot of research. He became friends with a man named, um, uh, what was it? Um, he man wrote the book, um, oh, um, Why Johnny Can't Read, Rudolf Fleisch. And uh, that book came out in 56. And Rudolf Fleisch said it was the look-say method of reading that caused this uh, dys dyslexia and caused this illiteracy. 
So uh, Sam was asked to join a literacy group by a friend of his in New York City. And at that time, he says, why? He says, reading is so simple. You simply learn the, font, the, the vowel sounds, the long sounds, the short sounds, the consonant sound, the blends and all that. And you, within a short time, you can be a very proficient reader with few exceptions. And uh, so he reached, uh, he, he read Rudolf Fleisch's book and it changed his life. He went well beyond the research of Rudolf Fleisch. He went back to Horace Mann. And in fact, Reverend Stevie Kraft and I were just uh, in Franklin last week. We did a video in front of the Horace Mann statue. And Horace Mann was the one that went to Prussia. And where Prussia had these state-run schools, compulsory education laws, and he brought that here to Massachusetts, uh, to Massachusetts and the rest of the country. And then you had John Dewey, who was known as the father of what they call progressive education. And Dewey was, uh, was an atheist. Uh, he was raised in a Christian background, but he rejected it. And he, saw, he was actually a, the term humanist. And what a humanist is, is one who deifies man. They reject God, but they deify man. And he said that the teachers should use the classroom as a preacher uses the pulpit. And he got funding from the Rockefeller Foundations and, and uh, started teachers' colleges. And the rest is history. Uh, and he, was, he lived a long life, and his influence is very, very destructive. And so what we see going on in these schools has been happening for several generations. And there's always been good teachers in these public schools and some public schools where they have more autonomy, uh, maybe not as bad, but they've been promoting socialism, evolution, the homosexual agenda for a long, long time. And, I, and sadly, it took something like critical race theory to get parents upset. And the, this is the problem. If the teachers are more than happy to teach this anti-American worldview, even if they had a curriculum that was, say, a, a patriotic curriculum, they're going to still interject their hatred of America. So why do we even want these people teaching our children? There's no way that you would drop these, if you had uh, infants or toddlers, you wouldn't bring these toddlers and infants to these teachers to watch them, you know, for a couple of hours. Why would you put them in front, why would you put them in front of your children for five days out of the week, in some cases, six to seven hours a day. And you, most parents do not have much quality time with their children. So whose worldview is going to prevail? You know, even if, you know, a lot of the, a lot of devout Christian people, they want to know why, why is my kid coming home and he's rejected the faith or she's rejected the faith? Why? It's because they are in Unitarian Sunday schools for five days a week. And you have them for a few hours a week. You have a little quality time with them. Of course, their worldview is going to prevail. And I'm glad to see that it took this to wake parents up. Now, there was a lady in Hollis, New Hampshire, yes, last night, uh, the Granite Rock had written about it, where she gets in front of the school and she said she's tired of, uh, you know, speaking, being polite. I mean, she was polite. She wasn't threatening them. But she says, I'm giving you to the end of the year or I'm going to start, we're going to start campaigning for homeschooling. Well, she should be, I'm going to reach out to her. They should be campaigning right now because you don't want these school committee members who hate America who seem to be self-loathing, you know, they're all white people. I mean, New Hampshire is a, a lot of white people. There's a small minority population. So why are they teaching hatred of white people in, in predominantly white schools? They want to destroy the minds of these children. And they're very successful in doing it. Mm -hmm. So I look at, and need to look at Howard Zinn. Now, Howard Zinn, uh, I call him the patron demon of uh, Antifa and Black Lives Matter. He died a few years ago, but his book, is um, uh, people's history of the United States full of lies and errors. He was a communist. So you expect communist 
propaganda. I mean, if I was a if I was a a Catholic, I'm going to promote a Catholic curriculum that would most likely teach the values of the Catholic Church. If I'm a Pentecostal, I'm going to be promoting the Pentecostal perspective. If I'm a communist, I'm not going to be presenting history the way it should be. I'm going to promote it as a as communist history, anti-Americanism, and all the glories and wonders of communism. You know, so uh, so that's what's being taught in our schools. And any patriotic teacher would look at that and say, I'm not teaching this garbage to my children. So these teachers know, they know what they're doing. Yeah. So the idea of all oh, these poor teachers are forced. No, they know what they're doing. In fact, I have a, a good friend of mine, uh, Dr. Duke Pesta. Dr. Duke Pesta is the head of the Freedom Project. Uh, it's a it's a K-12 online, fully accredited classical education. He's also a tenant professor, University of uh, Wisconsin Oshkosh. He said that 80% of Christians that come into uh, the uh, high, uh, state colleges will lose their faith. And he said nothing delights his leftist colleagues more to see a young Christian lose their faith. That's what they're there for. They rejoice over it. I mean, and, and you think, well, again, if they don't have you, if they haven't destroyed your faith and uh, love of country by the 12th grade, they get you uh, in in these in these uh, colleges. So my my my, I just urge parents to get your children out. You must, have, you know, when when your child, you don't feed your child garbage. You go to the grocery store, you buy some good quality food. When you look for a doctor or a dentist, you don't. Uh, well, this guy's a cut rate dentist or cut rate doctor. You know, no, you want to find someone who's qualified and the best. But when it comes to education, you throw them into government school. You give them garbage. And this this government school garbage, it's worse than garbage. It's it's destructive. Right. So uh, so we have uh, we have an online archive that uh, you if you go to our website campconstitution.net, you'll see the drop down here. You have all this material that you can use. We have the Sam Blumenfeld's Alpha Phonics online, and this is a very very simple way to instruct your children. We have the hard copy. We just put this back in print. Um, we have it on, available on our website. This is what my wife and I used to teach our children. Yeah, you don't need six years of uh, government schools and a de teaching degree to teach children how to read and how to do basic math. And if you have trouble with it, you have homeschool co-ops all over the state, all over New England, all over the country. Uh, you have homeschool support groups in Massachusetts, Mass Hope. They have an annual convention, and it's not a question of it's not a question of well, where can I get some material. It's a question of what do I choose because there's so much out there. But if the and I notice a lot of parents aren't even aware of the wonderful resources out there for homeschooling, you know, 20, 20, 30 years ago, it was a little challenging because you didn't have the technology that we have today. Uh, but today we have incredible technology. So you can you can do online fully accredited. Uh, you can use DVDs, um, uh, videos, DVDs. Uh, you can you know, you can use workbooks and things like this. So they and. The other thing, too, about homeschooling is that you, you, you become closer to your children and they'll say, well, you know, we both work. We can't. Well, you don't need to sit down with a child for seven hours a day. That's that's uh, most of what's going on in public schools or government schools is institutionalization. The law says you got to be there for so, for so many hours. Well, you have people who have back when they did this back in the 1850s, you had people who had no knowledge of education making the laws. You don't need you don't need to sit down. I mean, seven hours of just book learning, that could be kind of hard. How much can you absolutely absorb? So while I love book learning, there's nothing wrong with that. 
my, my, as we were homeschooling at that time living in Boston and I travel a lot, I looked at the, the whole country as a classroom. And for a couple of years, my wife worked for the airline so I could fly, you know, we could fly free uh, around the country. And when I could take my children, I, I took them to museums and historical venues and uh, uh, all kind of, and even a couple of minor league baseball games here and there, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, so they well, well, very well rounded. And this idea that homeschoolers are um, reserved or they don't socialize well—that's a real lie. Mm-hmm. In fact, at our at our annual family camp, you can almost pick out the homeschool families or the homeschool children because just the opposite—they do engage very well. They do social socialize. Uh, they, uh, they can interact not with just their peers, but with younger and older. Mm-hmm. You know, I went to a government school and, you know, and I don't know if you did or not, but if you were a seventh grader, you didn't talk to the sixth graders and the eighth graders, they wouldn't talk to you. This is this idea of, you know, uh, th- this is your group and you don't associate with other groups and you didn't uh, relate well with adults. And, and, and I did, I worked at my dad's drugstore. I mean, I, I felt more comfortable around adults than I did feel my own age, but by and large, they don't identify well. And when it, if you, when you greet a, a government school, I mean, this is sec, there's exceptions to the rule. I'm not saying generally, but they can't look you in the eye. They won't shake your hand, you know? So, uh, and my children, they were involved in church groups. They were in my daughter's dance. My son was involved in stuff outside of the homeschool circle. So then he, he's a leader in the church today that he, that he attends. Uh, my children, my daughters have all, my 17 year old just got accepted to Liberty University. And my 21-year-old uh, is a fourth-year student of nursing. My 28-year-old daughter, she just graduated from BC um, with, a, with a graduation, a grad, um, six-year degree. And uh, so they're, they're doing pretty well for themselves. So we homeschool, we homeschool them all. Wow. You know, one of the things that I absolutely love learning about is the, his, the history of socialism. And so I learned this maybe like two years ago um, where these guys had at the heart of socialism is to remove God um, from the culture, the society, from the country. And so uh, one of the things that we were seeing when um, we, I have stepdaughters who are much older, I have three stepdaughters and then I have a five-year-old and some of the work that they were coming home with, we started to question because we said, you know, um, one of them said, you know, I had a conspiracies theory class where they said that healing in Christianity is a conspiracy theory. It's not a real thing. And what was the first one I missed? What was the first one? Conspiracy theory class. No, but what you had, you said Christianity and something else. I I didn't get that. Uh, Healing. Healing in Christianity. Oh, healing. Okay. Healing is a false doctrine. And, um, you know, they they started coming home with um, CRT stuff, feminist stuff. And we said, wait a minute we didn't, we didn't sign you up for this. You know, this is not what our Mm -hmm. tax dollars pay for. So my husband and I, we started to get a lot more involved in our town and community. He's running for school board right now um, to prevent these things from happening. And right now we have our five-year-old, thankfully in a co-op that is, and you probably know the pastor, Pastor Casey from Adam Square. Oh yes. Oh yes. He's a good man. Yeah. Yeah. He's, she's in their school now. um, And they are pro Jesus, pro America. And that is, literally one of the things that we're trying to prevent now in, in Massachusetts, we know it's here, but it's kind of like, because Christians not only did not, they weren't active in this, but because they um, were lukewarm and they just allowed certain teachings to come into their home. Um, now it's like, we have to backtrack and take it all back. And so That's right. 
it it is wild now the people even people are taking their kids out of christian school because even there what they're teaching is worldly and it's not biblical well there are some christian schools well, we we did have uh two of our younger well my son and my one of my daughters spent a year to two years in a christian school that one elementary age and uh they were coming home with the weekly reader i call it the weekly w-e-a-k-l-y reader and that's some there was some garbage in there and it was promoting evolution now i have no trouble with my children learning the theory of evolution so they know how to refute it mm -hmm. but they were teaching it as they weren't yeah. refuting it and i said okay we waited till the year was over and then we took them out so you do have to uh test test the school there are some good christian schools out there mm -hmm. and some of them are just uh barely making it and they should be thriving right. i know there's a nice one in uh, springfield um was it plum valley is it plum uh what valley is that uh, but I knew the administrator, the again, who read, um, ran it for a while. He's since retired. But that's, I think, a pretty sound school. Dr. Paul Jaley at Cedarville, Plymouth, Massachusetts, has an incredible school. So there's some really good schools out there. Oh, nice. Good. That's good to know. I know there's one in Wayland, Massachusetts. My son's girlfriend just became a teacher there. So if you find it, you, you'll find some good schools. And the other thing is, uh, if you, um, you want to start, a, you can start a school. And you don't have to spend, you don't have to build a building for half a million dollars uh, or more. Uh, you can do it in a home. You mm -hmm. could do it uh, in an office. You can do it in a church. There are churches, you know, I'll, I'll drive, I'm always driving by, you know, England and other parts of the country. And what I notice is that most of the churches, these would be the, I would say, Bible-believing churches, not the ones with the rainbow flags and the Black Lives Matter banners. You know, those ones you kind of just keep going you know right. <laughs> you pray for them but you keep going uh but um they're they have they may have a wednesday service and they have a sunday school on sunday and then they have a service on sunday the rest of the week they're locked down they're closed yeah, yeah. and uh they, they have to keep the heat on in the winter time or the pipes are going to freeze so why not allow uh, and some churches are doing this i'm not saying they're all like that mm -hmm. but allow some local homeschool co-op to use that Mm -hmm. And you can actually start a school right there. And, you know, there are a lot of people out there that are retired that have incredible skills, whether they're teachers, whether they're plumbers or electricians or, uh, you know, or, or, or somebody that knows how to uh, can food, somebody that knows some firearm. I mean, there's so many people and just they're looking for things to do. Right. And that's why we need to harness these incredible resources. And of now, course, it takes a little work. It's not yeah. get up in the morning, put the kid on a yellow school bus. Right. And we're all set. But but our future depends upon this, because if we don't do it's not just a question of, well, it's a good idea, but it, our country's survival. See, the enemy knows all totalitarian, all totalitarians, whether they be Nazis or communists, know that the children are the future. And if they have the children, they will have the country. Yeah. Hitler would say something to the effect that I don't care what the, the older the parents think. I have the children we have the future. The communists do the same thing. Yeah. I think it was Lenin that said, give me the children and I will sow seeds yeah. that will uh, that will never die or something like that. And uh, and they've been successful. Yeah. Um, I um, tell us about your what's happening now with now. A lot of people don't know that this flag actually exists. I actually had no idea that there was a Christian flag to switch gears yeah let me uh um, let me show it again let me show it here this is uh this is a very small version of what we 
would want to fly on City Hall Plaza. We have a eight by four, eight feet by four flag that we're ready, ready to fly up that flag. Mm. And this flag actually is a non-denominational flag. It was uh, designed in Coney Island, believe it or not. I tell people a few things come out of good things. The Nathan's famous hot dog, <laughs> Coney Island amusement park, and the Christian flag. You know, mm -hmm. so uh, yeah, there's a few other good things. Don't give uh, then uh, it's uh, I enjoy, I've been there a few times. I've enjoyed going there. It was designed back in the late 1890s. It was a high a Sunday school administrator that was supposed to have a guest speaker talk about the U.S. flag, and he didn't show up. And they thought, yeah, we don't really have a Christian flag, and that's what they designed. There are denominational flags. There's the Vatican flag that the Catholics fly. The Episcopalians have a flag, but this is a non-denominational flag, mainly flown in independent churches. Um, but uh, so what we wanted to do is back in 19. 2017, we wanted to fly this flag on a city hall plaza, Boston City Hall Plaza, where there is what I call the public access flagpole. But what motivated me, I can say the Holy Spirit motivated me, but I was invited to participate at a prayer meeting in the mayor's office, Mayor Marty Walsh, uh, Reverend Bruce Wall, who has an inner city church. And I showed up and Marty Walsh, by the way, was nowhere to be found. That's the last place he's going to be where, where believing Christians are praying, you know. Uh, but he, um, it was not, he wasn't sponsoring it. It was, it was almost like uh, the, the room, the, I think they call it the ante room, the room be two levels before the actual office. And we had blacks, Hispanics, Asians, whites, and we were praying, as the Bible tells us, praying for our leaders. We weren't praying for elections. We weren't praying that this candidate gets elected or this. We're, uh, and it was a really, I said, this is a great experience. We sang a few hymns and I thought this, the Christian, the Christian church needs to be more involved because the city's, we've been silent for so long. And I know there's Christians in Boston and I was one, my parent and my family. So um, I thought that we should have a ceremony on city hall plaza to honor the U.S. constitution day, September 17th. That's when the constitutional convention ended 1787. And I thought, not only that, but the city of Boston was founded around the same time in 1630. And I thought it'd be a great, a great event to, you know, like a one-two punch. And what we wanted to do was we were going to have Reverend Stevie Kraft and someone you've met, Rev, I've been to the house there in Lexington. Mm -hmm. We were going to have him talk about the need for racial reconciliation for Christians to be involved with it. You know, the number two, we wanted to have, um, we had a pastor from the Sudan, uh, William Levy. Who, uh, who was almost murdered for his faith uh, by the Muslims, but he was going to teach. He wasn't going to talk about that. He was going to just talk about the blessings of liberty as a U.S. citizen. You know, he's, he lives out here in Western Mass, out in Western Massachusetts, an incredible man. And we were going to have Richard Howell, who's a historian. You might have met Richard at the uh, the rally there in June. He was going to talk about Boston's rich Christian history from from uh, Governor Winthrop, his wonderful sermon on the Arbella. City set on a hill, which was Boston. And you find some of that sermon engraved on Boston Common. You know, he's making reference to God. You know, mm -hmm. and uh, and then uh, we were going to raise the flag. So uh, they denied us. So what I did was I called the lady who was in charge of the permitting, and she said, "Tell us what you want to do." And so I told her. And uh, to make a long story short, about a month and a half went by. They said you denied. She was on our side. And I had to ask for an official reason. So I got an email and it said separation church and state. We can't do it. Well, this is the same city that has sanctuary 
they violate law, federal laws when it comes to illegal immigrants. The Massachusetts are violating federal law when it comes to marijuana, but oh no, that little Christian flag on the flagpole for a day or half a day is an abomination. It's unconstitutional. And of course, the city officials are keepers of the constitution, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, so it was ironic that the city, uh, the email had a city seal embedded and the city seal has a Bible verse from the Old Testament, First Kings. Uh, it's in Latin, and it's also on the flag. And if you drive, go through Boston, you'll see that seal, you know, uh, down uh, and all these, and even in the whole neighborhood, anytime there's an assign, you'll usually see that seal. And the Bible verse is in First Kings, it says, may God favor us as he favored our forefathers. So I think it's pretty ironic. So I reached out to the Liberty Council. They were happy to take our case. They sent the city a demand letter, giving them 30 days to give us the fly that flag or we'll file a lawsuit. They ignored the demand letter. Meanwhile, they made a lot of media attention uh, all over the country, other parts of the world. Uh, and then in, in uh, July of 18, we filed a suit in federal court. And we chose federal court because the city said it was a, a violation of the First Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. They didn't say it was a violation of the state constitution. Right. So we had to go to the federal court. And uh, there was, uh, it, it, we, we lost, we lost a few times and then we, we uh, went to the First Circuit Court of Appeals and lost 3-0 to, I think, to about two Clinton appointees, one Reagan appointee. And we took it to the Supreme Court back in, I guess it was January of this year. Actually, no, I think it was June where they actually dropped off the information to the, the case of the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court has 8,000 cases that uh, appeal to them every year, roughly. They only take about 80, so 1%, and they took our case. So we hope that uh, they, they're supposed to be hearing oral arguments sometime in the spring, and the decision should be made before June or July, probably before July. Uh, and we're optimistic. Did, they didn't even take the, the election fraud case. <laughs> no, they didn't. No, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, they wouldn't take that. I think they were afraid to take it, but I don't know. Uh, but yeah, so I, I just say this is in God. This, this is something uh, that we never anticipated, uh, but I'm very delighted that uh, I'm the, uh, you know, I was, Camp Constitution is the entity that made this happen. And we got, a, we got a lot of favorable responses from people around the country. And we got some people who are on our side, but thought that this thing is, oh no, he said, people were saying, if they fly this flag, if you can fly the Christian flag, they can fly the satanic flag and fly this flag. And they were upset. I said, look, they already fly satanic flags. You, <laughs> Chinese communist flag is not satanic. Or oh, the Chinese yeah. communists may be atheist, you know, officially, but they're evil. That's an evil government. And that's satanic. They fly um, the but, communist flag in Boston? Oh, yeah. Oh, very good. Oh, not only, see, this is what happens. It's private organizations get a permit to have a ceremony. So the city itself is not flying the flag. However, the city of Boston elected officials are there during the during the ceremony are participating in the ceremony ayana presley they've been the communists have been flying their flag the communist chinese flag since about 08 or 09 because what i was actually at the federal court i was uh jury i was uh, it was a jury duty issue and i was crossing the street i couldn't believe what i was seeing they're flying the communist flag and they had little communist flags that were passing out. They were flying the flag to honor the communist Chinese revolution. 
that murdered millions of people and today subject people. Or they're the, that government that gave us the coronavirus. They've taken our jobs away and all kinds of horrible things. They've infiltrated our colleges. They've, you know, this uh, when this when they came out and the media was saying that it's racist to say that the virus came from uh, Wuhan. That was the Chinese communist influencing the mass media. The NBA is totally in the Chinese communist yeah. pocket. Uh, you have a lot of politicians at all levels, not just at the city level, but at all levels that are promote the communist Chinese governors, state uh, state reps. So Ayanna Presley was at one of these when she was a city councilor. And it was sponsored by the Chinese Progressive Association of Boston, which is really just an arm of the Communist Party, uh, Chinese Communist Party. Also, the uh, Cuban communists raised their flag of Cuba. And it's ironic, too, that it's illegal in Massachusetts to fly a flag of a foreign nation on state, municipal, or county property, unless there's a foreign dignity, dignitary there, an ambassador or someone, on an official, in an official capacity. So if you're a tourist from uh, Cuba, I don't think there's a whole lot of tourists from Cuba coming here and enjoying uh, the United States. Yeah, that doesn't count. You have to be an official diplomat at the ceremony. And I don't think that's ever been the case. So they violate the law when they fly the flag uh, and they have city officials that gladly, uh, 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 city council of Flynn, Ed Flynn, who was the son of the former mayor, who was moderately conservative, uh, uh, 20 year Navy veteran. Here he is fight, flying the, uh, gladly flying the flag of communist China and with the Chinese communists. I said, what, what happened to this guy? What happened to these good old Irish Catholic boys like Marty Walsh? What happened to them? They sold out, mm -hmm. you know, totally sold out. Yeah. So again, uh, we're optimistic that we'll get, we'll win their case. And the city told us that they may just, if we win our case, they may just cancel the flag raising ceremony. So be it. That means no one else raises the flag. And it was interesting. Some towns and cities have a policy that they only fly the U.S. flag, the state flag and the you know the town flag and maybe the POW MIA flag and and that's fine, but if you have a policy where you say you want to reach out to all groups and I think Christians are a group of Boston just like anyone else that you have you should if they have their policy they have to honor that policy. Well, we don't like yours, and they use the term unapproved government speech. So that flag that shows the the red all. You know, it's a very basic flag. It's not, you know, it doesn't say, it doesn't say, you know, accept Jesus Christ or your Lord and Savior or you're going to hell or anything like that. It's just a, that, that little red cross really scares people. Yeah. It scares the left. And I get some of these media outlets, um, you know, the left wing outlets, they are angry. They are, they are resent. I got this crazy email from a lady. She said she lives in New Hampshire, but she's from Boston. I can't repeat <laughs> what she said. And I got a call from a guy, irate guy from california uh he called me and I, I i got i didn't pick up the call he left a message you blankety blanks and you uh, just f this and f that i hate christians i hate this and i hate that so reverend Kraft says we kind of stirred, stirred up the demons you know and that wasn't our that wasn't never our but i guess when you're doing what is right you have to expect that you know i think christians and patriots many of us are a little too comfortable we sit behind our, uh, our computer and we get on our Facebook and we think we're going to save the country by reposting a, a meme, you know, or we, we can chant an anti-Biden thing at a public event. Okay. Which I don't, I agree with the sentiments. I don't like the word that they use. So I think okay. they can, you know, 
use something else. Let's go, Brandon, I guess would be a better. <laughs> uh, but we need to do more than just chant. You know, we need to actually get involved locally. We need to educate. You know, it's interesting. I, I get so frustrated when I hear people say, we're a democracy. You hear conservatives, we're a democracy. I says, where do you get that from? Well, that's the way I was taught. Well, look at the Constitution. What's the Constitution say? They, they probably never looked at one. If they have, they haven't looked at it very closely. It says that Article 4, Section 4, the United States guarantees every state a Republican form of government. Oh, that's the same thing. There's no difference, really. Well, our founders didn't think that. If our founders wanted to word, put the word, I thought we had democracy, they would have put it in the Constitution. But right. they put the word republic. Right. And it's, you know, but you hear people say democracy is majority rule. And well, right now we have the Democrats that have a tiny majority. And even though they have the majority, that doesn't mean they can do whatever they want and do anything to us. You know, so uh, so where republic is ruled by law. And when we use the word minority, a lot of people think of ethnic minorities, blacks, Hispanics, or what have you. It could be ideological minorities. Mm -hmm. And I have to say, that if it weren't for the conservative Hispanics, the conservative Blacks, people like Trump couldn't ever get elected. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm glad to see that there are so many, you know, in Massachusetts, they were, um, there was an attempt to reverse this uh, so-called gay marriage uh, or single same-sex marriage. There was a rally at the state house uh, where they were taking a vote on it. And the, most of the people there were Hispanics, Hispanic Christians, like 95%. So where are all these other, these evangelical churches? Nowhere to be found. Nowhere to be found. So, so I'm very, I'm, and Florida, in fact, what's his name? Mayorkas, who's actually a Cuban, but he's a pro-communist. He's okay with all kinds of people crossing the, the Texas border. Yeah. But he says to the Cubans, don't you dare. We're not going to accept you because we don't, because we know you're anti-communist and you won't support our agenda. Yeah. That's why he doesn't want those in. I guarantee you, if all those immigrants, illegal immigrants coming over the Texas border were uh, conservative Christians, not only would be the wall, but there'll be machine guns on yeah. that wall, you know, <laughs> and they'll probably have a minefield there. You better believe it. Yeah. The hypocrites. They're phonies. <laughs> wow. Well, this... uh, can I talk a little bit about uh, some of our activities that we uh, that were engaged in? Uh, Please. Yeah. Well, we do. We have one week long family camp and next year's camp is in... Um, well, we've been there for the last couple of years, Singing Hills Christian Camp in Plainfield, New Hampshire, which is oh, about maybe you take Route 91 from Springfield and it's about an hour and a half, maybe a little more. Beautiful venue. It's, it's right, uh, right on the Vermont border, just south of uh, West Lebanon, New Hampshire, about an hour north and west of Concord, New Hampshire. So beautiful venue. And our camp is what we call a family camp. So we have whole families, mom, dad, little ones, babies even mother-in-laws, grandparents. Then we have some unaccompanied minors that we put them in, a, you know, boys don't do them in girls' rooms. Very well supervised. We have great, a lot of fun. We, we have some great instructors, some world, I guess, not just good local, but world-renowned. We have one of the world's top atmospheric scientists and climate realist, Professor Willie Soon. He comes with his whole family. He's been there like the last four years. Alex Newman, who was an author, he's an expert on education he's uh he's traveled around the world he speaks six or seven languages and he he's co-authored he's co-authored a book called crimes of the educators he also he just started a show on mike pillow on mike pillow mike mike lindell's uh 
Mike Lindell's TV, uh, the, the Sentinel, I think it's called, mm. the Liberty Sentinel, 4.30 uh, p.m. every uh, Eastern Standard Time. And uh, we had Mary Graybar there this year. She is the author of The Debunking of Howard Zinn. Uh, we, had a, a, we had a pastor, David Whitney, from the Institute on the Constitution, and uh, Catherine White, who is a local, histor a local constitutional expert, and many other great instructors. We have a lot of recreational opportunities, swimming, hiking, and we do marksmanship. Uh, we, have, we, took, we have a lot of people from the inner cities that have never seen it. They don't know how to, what, which, what end of the gun to pick up. And by the end of the week, they're pretty proficient in, uh, you know, 22s, and we even shoot, shoot the ARs and some other, some other wow. uh, handguns and so forth. Not, so not only do they learn about the right to keep and bear arms, but they learn how to actually bear arms, you know, right. which is great. And we have martial arts, uh, martial arts uh, displays, and we, we go on a field trip, an optional field trip to different places. And we just so rich in history. This year, we went to the homestead of Calvin Coolidge, mm. who I say was one of the great one of the great presidents will say well what did he do that was so great that's what i like about him he didn't do anything he left us alone you know <laughs> reduce the national debt you know yeah. i wish more presidents were like that just leave us alone you know do what you're supposed to do keep the border secure keep yeah. our keep our country safe from foreign invasion you know lower the taxes get rid of regulations leave us alone mm -hmm. that's what you that's your job just get the president's job description he's not the most powerful man in the free world that's not in the constitution he has about nine or 10 constitutional duties and that's it. And unfortunately, for the last 100 years, Congress, the American people, uh, state legislators, state governors have no trouble with the expansion of the, the, uh, the executive branch. Like for example, education. You know, there's nothing in the constitution that gives Congress any role in education or gives the federal government any role. They set up the Department of Education over 100 years ago, basically as a means to gather statistics, how school, you know, literacy rates and things like that. Jimmy Carter made it a cabinet level position. Uh, they don't teach, but they fund a lot of nasty things. They funded Common Core, and Common Core was owned by in the private sector. Uh, we need to abolish the Department of Education, not put a good person to lead it, but we need to abolish it. And that's something we need to discuss. So the idea of, well, gee, if we have a good president like Trump in office, he's going to appoint good people. And his appointments, their first thing they should do is auction off all of the Department of Education's property and assets. And then once they do that, sell it to the highest bidder and then resign. That's that's what they should do. Wow. In fact, I, I have a book that I picked up at a library in, um, I think it was Millis or Mil Millis, Massachusetts, for about 50 cents. It was published by the United States Government Printing Office. We have a copy, PDF version on our website. It's called The Formation of the Union Under the Constitution. And in the book is a, a questions and answers. And they ask the question, what role does the federal government have in education? Now, keep in mind, 1941, Franklin Roosevelt was president, and you had a bunch of Democrats controlling New Deal, what they call New Deal Democrats, socialists controlling the country. Mm -hmm. And what do you think the answer was in this publication written by New Deal Democrats? What role none. does the U.S. government have in education? Well, in reality, none. But I don't know what the Democrats. Well, the answer was none. Yeah. The answer was none. Yeah. So you have to ask yourself, what's happened since 1941? Did they add an amendment? You can't, if you don't add it, the powers in the Constitution are clear and defined. The only way to add more is to add amendments to yeah. the Constitution. 
There's been no amendments added to say the federal government now has a broad education. So we simply allowed it. And I say we, not, not you and I, but the American people and the politicians. The state, state governments love getting federal money. They love taking federal money because they don't have to raise the tax. They don't have to get taxes from their citizens. So they just pass, pass the bill. And where does the federal money government get their money? You know, they, of course, they make, they make it out of thin air, but they tax us. Yeah. You know, so we actually, you know, when we get something from the federal government, the federal government give it, they take us away. My wife and I got our federal, uh, what do you call, call the stimulus check? We yeah. got one uh, a few weeks ago. And uh, it was, I thought, I was surprised. I think I was going to get one. I said, okay, put it in the bank, paid off some, uh, paid off a couple of credit cards that weren't too bad. And then I get a bill the next week from the IRS. Oh, we owe another $1,200, $1,300 for 2020. And I just put in for Social Security. I just started collecting Social Security. I know you're shocked. I look so young, right? <laughs> and uh, they, gave me a, they gave me the first check. And they said, well, guess what? Because you made that, that extra money from the federal government. We got to take some more money on you. So you're not getting anything this month. I thought, gee. So they took the money. They gave me the money. And they took it away three, two weeks later. You know? And they also take money away through inflation. Now, inflation is nothing more than an increase in the money supply. That's how inflation has got nothing to do with, with uh, people not spending money or greedy capitalists or greedy unions wanting more money. It's nothing more than the increase in the money supply. That's what causes inflation. And uh, a lot of people don't, don't realize that, don't know that. And only governments can increase the money supply. You know what? What I also learned that is unconstitutional is income tax. Well. Uh, income tax, if you look at the Communist Manifesto, you mentioned the history of socialism. Yeah. Let me recommend to your viewers to get a copy of the Communist Manifesto yeah. mm -hmm. that was written by Karl Marx in 1848. Mm -hmm. Karl Marx was a very loathsome individual. No, loathsome would be an improvement. Let me put it this way. Mm -hmm. He hated humanity. Mm -hmm. He was a racist. He was an anti-Semite, even though he came mm -hmm. from a Jewish background. Mm -hmm. Before the Ten Planks, he says that communism abolishes eternal truths. Why would any half-decent person want anything to do with a system that abolishes eternal truths? He didn't like the concept of marriage and the family and the, and the 10 planks. And he basically said, if you adopt these 10 planks, you have yourselves a communist country. And by the way, he wanted to call the communist manifesto the socialist manifesto. But at that time in Europe, there were some people who were calling themselves socialists that he didn't want anything to do with. He didn't want them you know, to think it was their publication. And Marx was also a police informant. He, he was informing on other socials that he didn't like. Uh, he wasn't much of a daddy. Uh, one of his children died of starvation. Uh, and the only person he really, the only working class person he had anything to do with was uh, when he got married, the, um, uh, uh, the marriage included a servant, a lady servant, that not a slave, but basically this is your servant. So that was his only connection. And he never worked a day in his life and he couldn't, he couldn't invest in the market. He was such a poor investor is a loser basically yeah. but he said plank number two is a progressive income tax we didn't have an income tax until the third uh, the 13th uh, 16th amendment under uh, woodrow wilson mm -hmm. so it's in the common but they did pass the law that said they don't tax taxes used to be how it worked was that let's say that uh, you have 50 states and each state paid a share of the federal budget the states, the U.S. senators were actually chosen by the legislatures of those states. They were ambassadors, in, in, in a sense, to the federal government. The member of the House of Representatives, they could promise their constituents everything, two chickens in every pot, a car in every garage. 
And then the senator said, no, because I have to go to the governor and say, here, this is our portion of the federal budget. And they had to raise the money that way, you know? Huh. So, uh, so they said, okay. So actually they did away with the electing, the uh, senators were no longer elected by state legislators, but by the people. So, uh, so that was, uh, so that income tax was then changed where it was. Uh, now I contend that uh, the money I make through my, you know, my labors and your labors is not, it's highly defined income too you know yeah. i mean i you spend so many hours doing something and as a result of that you're paid so, and you got to be taxed on that and then what you see it makes it worse is that okay so so you your money that you have after taxes this is what you have for your living expenses for your entertainment for education for everything and then when i buy let's say that uh you hire me to do something and you pay me. Now I got to pay taxes on money that you already been taxed on. You know right. I mean? It's just a so circle. Like, it just goes on and on and on. It really on. is. Yeah. You know, and I, I, I have no trouble with legitimate expenses. Now I live in a town. I want, and uh, in Alton, New Hampshire, I like to see the, the roads plowed. I'll pay for that. You know, I want to see a police department in a fire department. I'll mm -hmm. be happy to, and we all pay property taxes for that. And that's that's legitimate. Uh, I think we should have a strong military defense. I don't think we should be all over the world uh, under the UN auspices, but we should have it. So there's some legitimate things. Uh, but two, three point five trillion to go to give everybody free community college and all these other things. Uh, this Green New Deal nonsense is wrong and unconstitutional. Yeah. Wow. Well, that was my, the listeners are definitely going to learn so much from that, um, especially. Oh, the so anyway, I, st I, talk, I started talking about the camp. We kind of yeah. digress, but in addition to our camp, we also have ladies retreats or the late, they like called no, ladies advances. We're going to be planning to do um, some uh, weekends, family weekend events. Uh, we haven't got anything uh, written down. And we also have activities in the region. We get up, we, you know, we have activities in the, in the greater Boston at the, mm -hmm. at the Lane Learning Center. Mm -hmm. We have uh, monthly meetings. We have a movie night. Uh, and then we're invited to speak to groups on a regular basis. Uh, around, I met you at the Second Amendment rally yeah. uh, in, uh, in Auburn, Massachusetts, uh, which just happens every, I think they've had 12 or 13. Mm -hmm. And I've been at every, oh, I have been to almost every one of them, except when I was out of town at a homeschool event, but we always had a presence there. Had someone else was there at my place, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, that's a great event. And we do, we do the homeschool show circuit. There's the Mass Hope Home. They have a convention every year. There's our main homeschoolers. We have a radio show. Yeah. We have a, a publishing yeah. arm. And we like to, you know, people want to have our speakers, you know, get a, go to our website. We have a, a contact. That's where you can contact us. Uh, through the through the uh, our our, um, our uh, website, and we got a lot of great resources. We have we have a YouTube channel. If you go to our YouTube channel, please subscribe. We're probably going to be taken down, but we started one on Rumble too, so we figure we'll. Uh, uh, <laughs> but you can see all of our classes that we do over the years. Mm. We have uh, we have a Reverend C.V. Craft playlist. I think we have about thirty or forty videos of various classes that Reverend Craft has taught, or some of his presentations around the region. And so I uh, get to learn what we do and hopefully you'll be interested in uh, supporting us and uh, coming to our camp and having us, uh, the people watching, having us come to uh, your, your events. Absolutely. I already have a bunch of a handful of friends who have, they're, they're looking forward to next summer for their children to head over to the camp. So oh, we're, right. we're ready. We're ready. <laughs> we're already taking applications. If you go to uh -huh. our website, you can, uh, and this year uh, we filled up two weeks prior to camp. 
So it's first come, first serve. Yeah. And we thankfully we didn't have to turn anybody away mm -hmm. because we had a few people that canceled at the last minute, things came up. Mm -hmm. So we we're able to accommodate those who wanted to come. Yep. But uh the, and we don't want the camp to be too big either because it loses its sort of, you know, it, it'd be yeah. where people become a rumor, you know, yeah. 150. And we were, we only had 11 unaccompanied minors. All the other children uh, came with their, with their parents. And, you know, the, so the, and it was great because the parents are built in counselors, you know? Yeah. You know, and sure. so we, uh, so we, uh, yeah. Awesome. Well, how, uh, you know, good. Oh yeah. So this me give out the website campconstitution.net. Yes. And uh, for anybody who wants more information, head over to that website. Um, there's so many resources. I actually still have this um, pamphlet that you oh, gave great. out. I have like two or three of them here, um, but it's nice to keep handy of, of all of your resources and everything that you guys are doing. Uh, Hal, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. And well, I know- Thank you for having me on. Thank you very much. All right. All right. God bless. All right. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Rookie Marican podcast. If you would like to support today, just go to Venmo, L-I-S-S-E-T-T-E dash Carter, C-A-R-T-E-R. Don't forget to head to the new Rookie Revival website where you can find out the latest books, you can find digital trainings, or you can support the distribution of Bibles all over Massachusetts and the nation. Thank you guys again for your support.